0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. It's now my pleasure to introduce our executive vice president and general manager, Mr. Kevin Shoveldayoff, who will make our first pick
1: on behalf of the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to another episode of The Grip for 60 podcast Your coverage for Jets hockey Mixed it up a little bit today uh, Maybe you shouldn't have done that um, My name is Connor Farrell You can call me TC And I am joined all the way from Gainesville
0: Brendan Farrell You can call me TCJ
1: Well that's we that I mean the Jets technically played sixty minutes of hockey, I guess. If you want to call it that.
0: That was a hockey game, I guess. Yeah. That's that's certainly a great way to put it. I mean I mean if, if you, you think, wanted to sum up that game I mean, in, in seven words, it would be that was a hockey game, I guess.
1: So for those of you just listening and have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, the Jets just played the Kings in what was a very miserable game to watch. Um, they get, The Jets had two early penalties in the first period and never really found the rhythm after that. I, did, I didn't think they found much of anything.
0: Uh, yeah, they, they never really had much of anything until about the last five minutes of the game, to me, honestly. Yeah, they got outshot uh, a lot to a little in the first period. <laughs> uh yeah, they were outshot 21 to 5 and that's just shots on goal in the first
1: period. That's just the first period. Which yeah. again, they played a substantial amount of that period um shorthanded, but still that's not good.
0: Like when you only have four shots at 5 on 5, that's that's not good.
1: Um So yeah, um and I, you know, you like to mention First of all, we're still at a point where this team is allergic to leads, right? Kings scored first. I don't think the Jets had to lead the entire game. Uh, still allergic to leads. But I think more importantly, I there's not one single player that I'm going to be like, he needs to play better. He absolutely, I mean, in this game, there wasn't one per player that said to me like, that I can just call out. The entire team just needs to be better than this.
0: Yeah, that was that was a tough performance from everyone. Uh, everyone other than Connor Halbach did. Yeah, Halbach just Hel- not be well.
1: that. Yeah, Halbach yeah. I thought played well. Although I think there was that one goal that was, um, it was kind of breakaway-ish. Like he, the player made a defender miss inside the defense oh, zone. Oh, the, uh,
0: the the Dowdy power play goal or whatever it was.
1: Possibly where right? it was just like, yeah, he had it covered or not covered, but he had the angle. It kind of shot like right into him. Like yeah, think just b- bounces it just uh,
0: bounces off the portion between his elbow and his Yeah,
1: wrist.
0: Yeah. Which I guess that... is
1: a is a tricky save, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, he probably wants that one back. But Sorry, overall, not... I, other than that play, I thought he played really well.
0: Sorry, that was my bad. It was Andre Kopitar. That was the power play goal uh... to put the Kings in the lead at the end of the game. But yeah. really, th- this game should not have been that close in the first place.
1: No. I mean, after that first period, I... My had two thoughts. My thoughts were one, this game if this was not the Kings, it would be three nothing. Yeah. It'd be three nothing. The Jets would be losing three nothing after one if this was not the Kings. My other thought was if it weren't for Kulikov setting a pick on his own goalie, like literally picking him with this stick, the Jets could have been up after one. Despite all of the things going against, like, despite being the worst team in the game, they could have been ahead. Those are my two thoughts. And they, and on the surface, seem to conflict. But I think it makes sense watching the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of what happens when you have your goaltender keeping you in a game. You just kind of have this two-way, uh, these two-way feelings of, well, we're not playing well. But if this one thing didn't go against us, we would still be tied.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. At the same time, like, it was the Jets shooting themselves in the foot is the reason that they were tied. It was was Conor Halibut's own defenseman getting in his way that gave the Kings the lead in the first place. Like, it's not just, oh, it was a bad bounce that happened. I mean, it was kind of an odd bounce, but it's still like, the defense was scrambling at that point anyway. Like, I felt like in the first period, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought the, the Jets' play in their own half was pretty sedentary. Like, they just weren't moving very much, and they would get turned around quite I mean,
0: easily. The, the Jets' play as a whole was pretty, pretty sedentary, pretty uninspired, to say the least.
1: It's just, just maddening. So, what, what? I'm kind of, you know, throwing out all of my takes from this game. What did, you, what did you see?
0: I always feel like every time when, you, when you go first on these, you kind of say the exact same thoughts that I do because a lot of times, like, I feel like we get games like this where we're like, there aren't multiple, there really aren't multiple ways to look at this game. Like that was a <laughs> horrible performance.
1: <laughs> like that was bad. There but, were, there were moments where I was like, oh, that was neat. Me.
0: I, I mean. So far this the season, like Jonathan Quick has been just, please shoot. Like, if you just put a shot on goal, there's like like a 20, I don't know, 30, 40% chance that it goes in. Yeah. And they scored
1: two goals tonight. <laughs> they scored two goals, right. And, you know, I, the broad, on the broadcast, they were complimenting how well Jonathan Quick played. And I guess he played all right, but I didn't think he was that good. And I don't think he really needed to be that good. I don't no. think the Jets really gave him much of an issue offensively no,
0: they didn't they didn't they really didn't do anything offensively until like the third period and late in the third period like there are two chances that I think of that I think the Jets really had one was Brian Little open at in front of him he just gets a stick tied up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the other one was Neil Pionk yeah uh,
1: making yeah. a really
0: nice move to cut in oh, and had an open goal and he just missed uh, I, I still don't get yes. that one but
1: as it was, ha- I thought he scored until they continued playing, and I realized, oh, that's behind the net. That's not in the net. And it's just like,
0: yeah. The only thing I can like think of that would cause him to miss was that, like, it looked to me like like a Kings player bumped the net a little bit.
1: Oh, and maybe that,
0: like, visually, that threw him off. But like, still, like, you got to bury that.
1: You got to put that away. I. He did everything right leading up to that, and it's just. It's hard, you know, and we, I guess that's kind of the skill that um, our big old Ranger friend Vinny was trying to tell us he was so excited about before they got rid of him, um, but I don't know, I just, and I guess this is, I don't know if this is being uh, a little ticky-tacky, but it's like, I feel like he breaks that out only on rare occasions. Like I haven't seen him do that sort of thing consistently yet. And I feel like that would be the next step for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, my feelings about, about Neil beyond, I I think he's the kind of guy that like, I test people really like, because occasionally he'll make a really nice offensive play and you'll kind of forget about the defensive side of things. But yeah, that other than that, yeah. You know, you, I feel like you occasionally get some nice offensive flashes from him. Yet some decent power play, play, and that's really it.
1: Um, but, I you know, you talk about how the Jets came to life in the third period, and it made me think of, well, that last minute, that last grasp, they had a man advantage, they had the goalie pulled, so they really had two guys up, and it was just like <sighs> nothing went right on that that last minute and a half there. I didn't think where, you know, you got, you kind of you win the face off, you pass it around a little bit, you set up lining for a one timer, he misses the net. And then you have to reset because the puck goes all the way back around. And then you reset, you dump it in, nothing happens. And then you reset again and Shifley's offside and you've got six seconds remaining. And then you try to go back in and it bounces over Neil Pionk's stick like that. And that's it. Like, yeah. I felt like, you kind of need to set something else up, you know? Yeah, I, I totally
0: feel that. Like, it's just, it's just a frustrating thing to deal with. And yeah, especially, like, that shot can't go high and wide. Like, that has to be on the no, net.
1: It's got to be on the net. Which is, you know, it's frustrating because that's the kind of thing when you're you're paying um, Patrick Line, you want him to hit. Like, that's the one thing you want out of him, right, is to be able to hit that shot. Um. But he's, I, I will give him credit. He's done well with the other things that we, we usually don't give him credit for so far this season. So I'll leave that on the table, but also hit the net.
0: Yeah. I, I just don't think there's really much of an excuse for this power play to be as bad as it was today.
1: Um, and, you know, I – what did you think of, you know – I don't, I still don't know if I like Brian Little in that second line, but I do kind of like the Cop uh, on the third line, just because I think playing him with Roslovic was very – I like the way those two play off each other quite a bit. I don't know necessarily if I like uh, Adam Lowry there, but I thought Kopp and Roslovic looked good together.
0: Yeah, I mean, out of the Jets' forwards, other than Ellers and his two points, like I think Kopp is up there for – uh, being one of the Jets' best forwards tonight. But, yeah, uh, he, it was it was a rough, rough, rough game. Um,
1: and I will say this. The other thing I don't like about this Jets team right now is that dahlstrom boteto bottom pair. I felt like every time that they had the puck trying to break out, they couldn't break out, and there would be a turnover and the Kings would have an opportunity. Like, I just – there's – you know how I feel about Boteto. Dahlstrom's still on the fence about, but putting him with Boteto doesn't seem to be working for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally, I, I get what you're saying about that. Just this, I mean, just the Jets defense as a whole is, is a mess. And really, other than Morrissey, and I guess, like, Pionk and Hanela, they just, it, it's kind of tough watching them move the puck. And I think that's one of the reasons why they struggled so much tonight was that they they struggled a lot in the neutral zone. It really didn't matter who was on the ice. It just seemed like there was always a missed pass, uh, someone, a pass that someone couldn't catch, or a turnover, an icing, or just get it out, dump it, and we'll deal with it later. You know, that sort, that sort of deal.
1: Um, the other thing I want to bring up is about halfway through the game, Uh, Paul Maurice decided to uh, throw the lines in a blender well not even really that he just kind of put uh, Ellers up on that top line with Shifley and moved um, Wheeler down to that second line with uh, Little and Connor what did you think of that like halfway through
0: Uh, in the second and third periods they were obviously better some of that Mm -hmm especially in the third period, like, some of that is just score effects. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, like, there was always going to be room for improvement from period one to period two. Yeah, well. (laughs) Like, there was nowhere to go but up after that. So, I don't know, it just seems like – it's it it does seem like something needs to – there needs to be some stimulus in this team right now.
1: Well, well, I guess my point was, you know, I – I guess they didn't play that well tonight, but I can certainly see how this kind of move makes sense, where, you know, on the surface you might think, Okay, you've gotta have Wheeler up on that top line with Shifley. Like going into the season, that was the whole deal, right? And now suddenly I think it's fair to say that Ellers has had a better season so far than Blake Wheeler has and has earned that top line uh, spot, particularly you know, with Wheeler not producing the way he has been. and If you're in a situation where you need to try to get things going in the middle of a game, sure, why not try this?
0: Yeah, the Jets, I know you'll roll your eyes at this, but believe me, I'll oh, make boy. it make sense. I was watching the Sharks and the Sabres tonight, too, and the Sharks do a similar thing where the Sharks don't really have set lines. They have set pairs. Like mm-hmm. Meyer always plays with Couture. Kane will play with Hurdle. Thornton usually has LeBanc and or Sorensen, like that sort of deal. And then they just, if it's on and off night, you know, they'll move someone up, they'll move someone down to play in with those pairs. And to me, I think the Jets are kind of the same deal. You know, like they have their pairings that they like and then they'll move a third guy around between the different lines and see if something mm-hmm. works.
1: Yeah, and I think there are a number of different teams. I want to say the Penguins do the same thing, but I don't know for sure off the top of my head. Um, So... Yeah, so I I kind of like that. Who would you think are the, the pairs on this team?
0: That's a good question. I would certainly say that... I don't know. Let me like give me a second about that. Like I feel like Shifley and Wheeler are kind of a pair mm-hmm. that they like keep together.
1: Oh, but well, they separated them in the middle of the game here today.
0: Yeah, I guess. But uh, it, it's it's a, it's a little tough uh, to do that with the second line too because they've moved who's on the second line so much. Yeah. But usually they they keep you know Ellers on that second line, and then they moved him up tonight. So everything I'm saying is just wrong. But I, I feel like usually it's going to be Shifley and Wheeler, and then it's going to be, I guess, Brian Little now and Ellers, and then they'll move between line A and um, – I'm forgetting a name – Kyle Connor between the two top lines, I feel.
1: I kind of wonder if Ellers and Shifley might develop something because, you know, when early on in the season when, when line A was playing second line third line minutes – Ellers was the other guy on that top line with Shaquille and Wheeler, and I thought there was some real good ke- chemistry with Shaquille there. Um, and I almost wonder, like, putting him in this top if if they're going to move to going to move him to this top line role more consistently, if something might start to click with those two.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that top line could use like a play driving kick in the pants, if you will. Like mm-hmm. Ellers to me is is one of those players that a lot of his contributions just don't end up showing up on the score sheet. Like I feel like he's one of those guys who has a lot of little things right. You know, he'll be the guy who takes a puck, drives it towards the net and you know, it just doesn't go in or he at least creates a dangerous chance out of it. And then we, you know, circle reset that sort of deal. Right. And they'll end up with like 60 points. And everyone's too busy looking at Kyle Connor and Shifley and Line A and Blake Wheeler, and they'll just kind of forget, oh, hey, uh, Ellers is actually really good.
1: Yeah, I like watching him play. I think he's always fun to watch. I think he's got that – when he gets the chance to use it, his breakaway speed can be deadly, you know. Um, I like the way he sees the game and moves the puck around. But you're right, he doesn't show up quite on the score sheet the same way the um, – the same way Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor, and Line A tend to do. Although, I guess we're still trying to get those guys to get going. A little. Although, Line has got some assists, so that's good. Um, yeah, but I,
0: I, 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 I do think they need to get that top line moving more. It was, oh, not, yeah. a, it was not a great night for that top line, so I, I like the idea of moving Ellers up in that position.
1: Right, and you know as we've seen so far this season, when that top line or even that second line – when those two lines are gelling, or one of those two is gelling at least, they're in a good position to win. They are. Um, that's because that's when they can score, you know, four goals a game, five goals a game. Not just that top line. I mean, as a team, they can score four four goals a game if that top line is moving. Um, and tonight they just weren't, right? And that's you, you saw the result of that as a 3-2 loss.
0: Right, yeah. That's, that's I, I like what you said there, too.
1: Um so move do you have any other thoughts on this game? Uh no,
0: I I think I'm good just other than the fact that this was just a really embarrassing performance at home against a team that's pretty much believed to be among the worst this year in the league. Mm -hmm. That's not great. No. It's not great. Um, Um, Especially after whatever that Oilers game was the other night.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Which we will get to shortly. But, you know, I'm sure that that was not the performance that they wanted to have against the lowly Kings.
1: Yeah, so that, yeah, so that, that Oilers game, we can jump into that now um, because I'm all out of thoughts for that Kings game. That Oilers game was. um, Another game that happened. It happened. McDavid was there and he couldn't make things happen. They, uh, they did the hockey. They won in shootout, but they won. So, points, right?
0: Yeah, and honestly, I'm sure this team will take the points any way they can get them. But, yeah, not necessarily a great performance for either team in this game, I think, really. And it wasn't just like the lack of like any sort of goal scoring. It's just I'm not really sure either team... Was even like threatening offensively. Like, yeah. it didn't feel to me like this was a game where both goaltenders were just playing out of their minds and it was just like, okay, which one's going to break first? It was, this was, well, we played a hockey game, I guess. Like, we, like, a team only won because a team has to win a game.
1: Right. So, yeah, they were just like, well, we're going to go all the way to shootout. Um, but you know that said, if you can keep McDavid from scoring in the three-on-three situation, sure, do it. Um, good for you, right? Like that's that's a feat with the the, the amount of speed he's got, and you give him that much space in three-on-three, he should be putting in the puck in the net pretty much every game, right?
0: I'm telling you, that's right. definitely that's definitely when you pull the old strategy of, like, win the opening faceoff and then just pass the puck around for a minute until McDavid finally goes off the ice. (laughs) And then you can actually start playing.
1: But if McDavid doesn't actually do anything, why would they take him off the ice?
0: Well, I mean, still, like, at game speed, just skating back and forth for a minute or a minute and a half, whatever. Like, at some point, like, they they have to pull McDavid off, you know?
1: Okay, maybe. They don't have to.
0: I'm not saying that you just stand there and you pass the puck back and forth. I'm saying you move around your defensive zone, make easy passes, and eventually tire McDavid out, and then you actually play hockey.
1: Um, but yeah, that was certainly a game. Um, and you know what? You know who the top, you know who the three stars of that game were
0: uh the two goalies and uh who scored the goal <laughs> who scored the over who
1: scored uh, Actually, the shootout winner it wasn't one of this it wasn't the shootout winner uh i don't know who it's jack Roslevic. interesting yeah that is an interesting move but i just uh, you know anytime the goalies are the top two stars of the game um and you know there weren't that many shots in the game. Edmonton had twenty-eight shots, and Winnipeg had twenty-three shots. Not like either goalie was really—I mean, they certainly had their moments. They certainly had saves to keep you know their teams in the game, but I don't know if the you know uh, if they were you know three stars worthy. Yeah,
0: it was just—it was just kind of an ugly game that you like. It did kind of just remind me of like a lazy Sunday afternoon where a hockey game was yeah. played. Like,
1: yeah, they don't want to go to work Monday. Um, <laughs> the ex-
0: the expected goals at five on five were one point five four for the Oilers to one point oh three for the Jets. So yeah, not a whole lot of offense happening.
1: Um, one thing I do want to point out with this tonight's game being a two three loss, Oilers game was a one nothing or a shootout win. That was basically a scoreless draw. The game before that was a 3-1 loss. The game before that was a 4-2 loss. The game before that was a 7-2 loss. Um, So those games, just to recap, Winnipeg scored two goals, then two goals, one goal, a, a shootout goal, and then two goals. For a team that's going to win games because of its offense, they are not creating offense. This is over the span of a week and a half.
0: Yeah, but hey, at least they're getting some decent goaltending lately.
1: Well, yeah, there we go. Connor Helbuck's playing a lot better than, you know, I I think we thought he was. Um, but what, you know, what other than thro- throwing Brian Little into the mix and scrambling scrambling the lines, what what can we do to get this offense going?
0: Now, I'm not I don't know if I'm a, big believer in high danger shooting percentage just because I feel like the definition of high danger is a little loose but according to natural stat trick the Jets have the second lowest high danger shooting percentage at 10.34 so that might be a good place to start bury the good chances that you actually get and go from there
1: so you're saying they're bad at convert are you saying they're bad at creating high danger scoring chances or they're bad at converting high danger scoring chances Uh, they are
0: i mean they're bad at both (laughs) or i'm sorry uh, they are bad at converting is what i'm saying they're okay at converting or creating actual high danger chances but they're horrible at converting
1: so you, you know what you know what my solution to this is not to your high danger scoring chances this is my own idea um Let's play the puck behind the net. Let's play behind the net, get the goalie looking over his shoulder, dump it into the slot. That seems to work for me. That, and then we've seen the team try to use this earlier in the season. And in a few games, I've seen a few different players try it. They're creating chances with it. Let's see if we can make it a strategy. That's my idea. Or we use Eller's speed, Eller's and Shifley's speed, create some two-on-one opportunities, give and go, boom, back of the net.
0: I love it when you come up with strategies that stats nerds generally agree on that are good. Like, Hey! like I feel like at least the people I've been following, I've always been saying, hey, we need to play behind the net more and more cross-ice passes, what they call like royal road passes, from like one face off dot to the other.
1: I'm telling you, that's one of the reasons I like that uh, Ellers and Shifley duo is because I've seen them do it before where they just go – and they do cross-ice pass breakaway type stuff, and it works.
0: Yeah, I mean, that – yeah, uh, certainly. I think they – I and do think that they – right? They do need some more finishing out of their stars. Yeah, whether that is oh, – yeah. Whether that is, like, high danger chances or just shooting it off the goalie's butt and into the goal, right? Like, something needs to give on that front.
1: Or is what worked tonight – let Neil Pionk take a point shot and have Ellers do the tip drill in front of the goalie. That works, too.
0: Well, he's no Joe Pavelski, but. It was a, it was a pretty nice tip. All right. So what do the Jets have coming up? They it looks like they do not play again until Saturday.
1: They get a few days off for you know the first time this season. They get a string of three days off.
0: They get a bunch of days off in the middle of a homestand.
1: It's the end of the homestand. They get three days off, and then their final game of the homestand.
0: That's really weird. Yeah, it, I was gonna say it does feel like they've been at home for like a month now. So uh, a week and a half. It it is tough though to come towards the end of this homestand and having only one one game,
1: yeah, and that was in and, and that
0: was in shootout.
1: Yeah. It's been a rough homestand. Yeah,
0: it's, it's been a tough one. And really, like, honestly, other than the Islanders game, there really hasn't been a game where I was like, oh, well, they really should have won that
1: one. Right. They, they haven't looked great um, for large stretches of this homestand. Like, the, that Penguins game was not good. Oh, yeah, um, We talked about how this game tonight was not good. Uh, this past game Sunday was barely a game.
0: Yeah, and the yeah. Coyotes, they were just okay against. It, it's, it's been a tough homestead. But they, they they get a lot of rest coming up, though, because they play Saturday, or they don't play until Saturday. Then they play again Tuesday, and they don't play again until Friday. But then they get a, a game the next day, though.
1: and. I- you know, I think they are, they kind of need this rest. I mean, I know it's early in the season, but they haven't had too many games where they've uh, – or too many, day, too many stretches of the schedule where they've had a few days off in a row. They've had a lot of three and fours, right, you know, three right, games and, in four days.
0: And no one has played more games than the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Only the Maple know.
0: Leafs and the Stars have played 11 games, and nobody has played 12. Meanwhile, the Blackhawks, thanks to their trip to Europe, have, have only played six. Wow!
1: Well,
0: yeah, like, even the Flyers have played seven, and the Rangers, yes. who mysteriously had a week off at the beginning of the season for some reason, have also played <laughs> seven.
1: Who knows why that happened?
0: I don't know. I don't know if I don't know why that happened. They just randomly had an entire week off.
1: The NHL is weird. Schedule makers are weird and dumb.
0: Yeah, but like you couldn't have fit in like a road game somewhere in there. Like, come on. But it is it is going to be an interesting road swing coming up after that Flames game. You get it's basically the well, it, it's two thirds of the California trip plus Vegas.
1: Yeah. Uh, I you're going to make me click the calendar over to November. No, yeah, you got, yeah. But that, and that San Jose-Vegas back-to-back, that's going to be rough.
0: Yeah, that's such an odd back-to-back, too. And it's kind of weird that, like, I guess are the Kings off on the road, too? It's kind of weird that they get three days off between the Ducks and the Sharks. Because I, I think ordinarily you would play a back-to-back against... The Kings and the Ducks, and then the Sharks with like a day off. But I guess the
1: they only get two days off. There's only two days off between the Ducks and the Sharks.
0: Whatever you, you you're picking up what I'm saying.
1: It's yeah, still it's still saying. like a weird like gap. But you know what, Brendan, we release this podcast twice a week. You're getting too far ahead. Well, There's I only mean,
0: when you one have, game
1: between yeah now and an next pod, and that's the Flames. All right.
0: Now, with that being said, any final thoughts?
1: Oh. Um, uh, let's see. I will pick the Flames to win 4-1. I'm
0: going to say the Jets snap
1: the – we're not losing
0: streak, but they, they, they look a lot better against the Flames. I'm going to go 4-3 Jets. Alright, with that being said, uh, you can follow me at TheFeral727 on Twitter. TC, where can they find you?
1: I'm at Twitter and at Instagram at TC underscore 904.
0: And you can find the Grit Per 60 pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Grit Per 60 pod. And you can find us on Spotify and iTunes. I think that is everything. So with that being said... If you got this far, thank you for watching, and have a good one. Congratulations. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.